The following program originally aired May 2nd, 2018, on the Wednesday edition of The Point, on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend. And our guest this morning is Emily O'Neill. Emily has been the Technical Services Manager at Deschutes Public Library for two years to the date. She absolutely loves Bend and the surrounding areas, especially the access to the mountains, including Mount Bachelor for snowboarding or hiking with her two dogs and husband. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here. And we want to talk about a new addition to the library. It's called the Library of Things. Yes. And people who use the library, they know how to check out books and DVDs and CDs and even children's puppets. Do they still check out yeah, puppets? Yeah. yeah. And they may even know how to borrow electronic versions of books and movies, but they've probably never heard about the Library of Things. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh a Library of Things is a new um, sort of idea across the library profession. A lot of libraries nationwide are doing it. And when I first came on board at uh, Deschutes Public Library, I was interested in the idea of being able to start something like that for our library. Basically, it's uh, the opportunity to check out literally anything. So um, any object that you would be want, wanting to try but not necessarily buy yourself, we have an opportunity to buy that as a library and give it um, a circulation parameter so you can check it out and, and give it a try. So, for example, in our pilot program, we have things like an Instant Pot, a GoPro, uh, ukuleles, things that you want to try but maybe aren't ready to purchase on your own. And so each one of these things is going to be a kit, right? It's not just, say, the Instapot. Exactly. Yeah, we we don't begin to know how to use absolutely everything. Um, but we, as a library profession, of course, want to give you all of the resources you need to be able to have all the information. So, for example, the ukulele kit comes with a, a Learn How to Play DVD and a couple how-to um, books so that we aren't just giving you a random musical instrument, but actually the tools to learn how to play while you're at it. That's a great idea. And so can anyone check out these kits? Uh, pretty much, yeah. So we uh, do keep it to 17 and older, so it is an adult's kit. Um, maybe at some point when it's no longer a pilot, we can look at whether or not we want to do juvenile kits. But right now it is an adult collection, and it is uh, specific to Deschutes County residents. But otherwise, anyone can check them out that has a library card. Cool. and But there must be some kinds of rules and restrictions, and what might they be? Certainly. We... Are concerned for uh, to get the kits back. Um, you know, particularly how a GoPro a, that would be pretty desirable to just have a GoPro. So we want to make sure that there's an opportunity for everybody to use the kits and really emphasize that they are a try it collection. So we circulate them for one week only, and they aren't holdable. Um, so you just kind of have to spontaneously arrive at the library and see if they're available, and they aren't renewable. So that sort of helps keep them moving through the collection so that other people can give them a try. And go ahead. I just, I'm curious, this is how novice I am. What's a GoPro? Yeah, a GoPro is a um, kind of an active camera 
that you can take both still frame but also video. But the fun thing is that they're very small. So you can put them, for example, a mount on your helmet um, for snowboarding and you can take like a, a video of your snowboarding escapades. Um, you can mount it to a, a drone if you wanted to take some video footage using a drone. Um, a lot of people like to put them on you know, mountain bikes. It's mountain bike season. Put them on your handle, handlebars and um, just you know, take video of all the fun things that you're doing outside. And when you say first come, first serve, how do you know when it's available? So we came up with, I believe, a pretty clever um, process. It's We call them tokens. So they're only available at the Sisters Library right now. That's part of the um, pilot act. Uh, and eventually we would like to have them at all branches. But right now they're only available at the Sisters Library. And you would just go to the Sisters Library and they have a little shelf that has a token which... Um, is identified per kit, so it's kind of on par with you know getting the bathroom key. Is if the <laughs> if the token's there, then you know the kit's there, and you just take it to the front, and you'll get the kit. So it is a pilot program at Sisters. Yes, and um, you can keep it for a week. Yes, and what happens if you don't return it within a week? Well, that's unfortunate um, that we have to put in parameters again to encourage people to bring them back. But they do have a pretty hefty late fee. So if you don't bring them back within a week, it's going to be a $20 late fee. So we really are encouraging to get them back, but we definitely want people to try them. Do you have any kind of a grace period? There's uh, not really a grace period. We have a matter of hours. So um, 24 hours? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one kit per person, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So you said the customers can't put them on hold. Why is that? There's a couple of reasons for that. But the biggest, uh, we did a lot of research coming into this um, because it is brand new for us. And one of the libraries that we talked with said that they originally started out with holds, but they found that people wanted certain kits for a certain time frame. So, for example, the library that we talked about has a cotton candy machine <laughs> and it found they found that people wanted it for like their children's birthday. And you can't guarantee a specific date um, on a hold when people bring things back or don't bring them back. So they found that there were a lot of canceled holds because they weren't able to get the kit for the exact time that they wanted. So this way, people um, have an opportunity to, if they need it that day, it might be available. And the other part on the holds is that it, again, encourages circulation so that um, it's kind of a spontaneous discovery and a happy coincidence when things are available for you. And you have a courier that runs from branch to branch, so a can cotton candy machine would be awfully big to put in the courier and send from Sisters to Ben's. Exactly, which is another reason for not doing the holds, is that the kits are too big, so they can't go through the courier, which is, these are the things that you try and figure out with the pilot program, <laughs> um, and why we need to see how it works for us and how to make sure um, kits can travel if we were to expand to the other branches. Why was Sisters selected as the pilot program? Yeah. So Sisters was selected for a few reasons. Um, one is that we didn't necessarily want to start with one of our larger branches simply because it is a pilot and that means that there is an opportunity that for us to say this doesn't work for us. And if we 
pull it from, let's say, downtown Bend, we would have a lot of really mad people. So we think <laughs> um, starting small was a good opportunity. The other thing is that because a library of things can be literally any kit, um, anything you can think of, we wanted to test what kits check out more uh, readily than others. And so we actually have a variety of different kits um, like you know, one for the musically inclined, and one for the artistic, and a, you know, the GoPro for the techie, and the kitchen gadget, and that way we can test what sort of focus we want to make if we want to expand to other kits later on. And we felt like the sisters' um, population was diverse enough to be able to offer all of these different kits and give them an equal opportunity to check out, so that we can test those circulation statistics. Do you take contributions from people? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Right now, um, we really want to see how these seven kits do. You have seven. Okay. And then go from there and see what happens. Um, eventually, we might open a suggest a purchase, but not in a pilot program. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. So what would a successful pilot program look like? Well, and one thing is we want the kits to circulate. So everybody listening, go check out a kit if you sound um, interested and excited. The other part is you know the inner workings from the behind the scenes in the library. So um, making sure that you know kits come back um, clean and not broken, and that just our population is excited about them and in that excitement respects them and and takes care of the property. Uh, the other part is. Um, Again, some of the things that you mentioned, how to how to support it across the entire district. So how do we get kits from one branch to another when we know they can't go through the courier? So we have to figure out some of the inner workings on the behind the scenes um, side as well. But I think mostly it, it would be circulation. If people love it, then we'll try and support that. Okay. And right now, has it already begun in Sisters? It started yesterday. Oh, Yeah. Cool. So they are available as of one day ago. Oh, far out. And so when people return them because of the size, they probably won't fit in the book drop either. They don't. Right. Exactly. So they are um, a more indiv- uh, personable interaction so, so you, you have to, to go the to the yeah you have to go to the circulation desk to check out and to return and both both interactions need to happen at sisters because again they don't go through the courier and there are seven right now so there's total of six different kits but there are a couple duplicated so the six items there's um, like I mentioned the GoPro kit there's one of those there are two ukulele kits there are two knitting kits there's a crochet kit. And uh, the Instant Pot I already mentioned. And then the last, um, which I think is kind of the most exciting because it can be so diverse. We're calling it a bird in nature kit. So we have a variety of um, bird identification books and a bird call CD. It comes with a backpack, um, but it also has trail guides. So it's also, you know, a hiking backpacking kit. So um, trail guides to the sister's wilderness and then some plant identification and animal identification um, I bet, you know, maps in there as well. That sounds great. That sounds like something I would really enjoy. Yeah. Okay. We are going to take a break right now. Um, we're going to take a break for station identification and to find out what's happening on the Thursday point. 
And I'm inviting you to join me every Thursday morning on The Point. I delve into the local art scene, interviewing painters, sculptors, printmakers, potters, art administrators, and educators. Central Oregon's visual artists are out there, and I find them and bring them to you every Thursday on The Point on 88.9 KPOV. And welcome to 88.9 KPOV Bend, High Desert Community Radio. Where are we? How did we get here? What destinations lie ahead? Fortunately, we have a guide. Nationally renowned satirist Will Durst returns to Bend to share his latest show. Winner of the Broadway World Best Solo Play in 2017, The Durst Case Scenario. An insightful, hysterical exploration of the changes in America during the time of Trump. The Durst Case Scenario provides a ready outlet for our collective confusion and ample anger. Saturday, May 19th at 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Central Oregon at 61980 Skyline Ranch Road. Tickets are $20 general admission, $18 for KPOV members, and $25 at the door. Available at kpov.org. A benefit for 88.9 KPOV. The Durst Case Scenario. Your questions answered. KPOV would like to thank our contributing sponsors, The River House on the Deschutes, El Sancho's Taco Shop, Prime Cuts Meat Market, Active Life Tai Chi, Himpies, Action Print. We are back uh, with Emily O'Neill from the Deschutes Public Library. We're talking about the Library of Things. And we were talking about the kits that they have. And if this program's successful, how long before you think it'll be spread out throughout the district? Yeah, we so we hope to pilot for six months. Um, so from now until October is really just a test on how things go. Uh, if things are going well in October, then the team that helped put this together will get back together and create a bigger project so that we can hopefully roll out to um, the other branches. It may be one at a time, maybe system-wide. We're not really sure at that point. But if successful, we do hope to bring on to uh, the other branches in the system. So, Very exciting. Uh, yeah. I just wondered if you expand it or if and when you expand it, will you try to attune the kits to whatever the population is or the demographics of the particular branch that you're sending? It's a great question. I think that's something that we will talk about when we get back together in October on, on what an expansion looks like. I know we've uh, talked about two different ideas. One is that, yes, we would um, sort of self-select to the branch that we're working at. And the other is um, certain kit items might be super successful. So the two that I've heard the most excitement about so far are, again, that Instant Pot and the GoPro. And I could see other branches wanting those same kits. Mm-hmm. And so it'll just sort of depend on uh, where we go from here when we meet again in October. 
I know um, I saw the crocheting and the knitting at Sisters, and I know the Sisters quilts, you know, that's a big deal in Sisters. So I was wondering, that probably might not be as, you know, as exciting for Bend. I don't know. No. Um, and so one thought would be if we could have, you know, an artistic element like the art box of some sort at each branch, mm-hmm. maybe they could be different. So one um, kit that I'm hoping we get at some point is, for example, a sewing machine. So maybe Bend, we could do a sewing machine instead of the knitting crochet mm-hmm. um, and see how that goes. When I went to Cal State Northridge, I worked in the library there, and we would check out paintings, real paintings. Yeah. And I always thought that was amazing and something that would be nice in Bend. But, um, you know, when I retired from the library about four years ago, we were talking about this whole idea of library things. But at the time, it was more about tools, Mm -hmm. because there's quite a few other libraries that have tools that they check out to people. So is that something that you've thought about for Bend or for Deschutes Public Library? We considered that, and I don't think it's fully off the table. But again, one of the um, difficulties is that you could literally add anything. So how do you focus your attention on one thing um, rather than all of a sudden become a target for (laughs) the library target? Um, The one concern I know, of course, with tools is just liability and seeing if somebody were to get hurt with that tool what our responsibility would be there. So that was the reason why we didn't pursue a tool at this time, but that's not to say that it's completely off the table. Right. I know it's become so popular in some places. Mm -hmm. Like I was reading about Toronto. It's so popular that they have one building that's just totally devoted to library of things, no books, no CDs, but just things. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a possibility in the future. I don't know. Yeah. There's a library in Colorado Springs, Pikes Peak Library, and they created an entirely new library with nothing but electronic Systems, So Mm -hmm. they have like a recording studio and their um, 3D printer, all of their the new exciting electronics. So I definitely know that libraries are thinking outside the box more and more these days. So when you did research, did you travel to some of these different libraries to take a look at what they were doing? We only traveled locally. So we traveled um, to the Hillsborough Library outside of Portland. And we actually coupled that with a trip to Wilsonville. Um, We were doing this project and the picture book reorganization at the same time. So we wanted to hit libraries that had both um, projects that we could do research from both places at the same time. So why don't you, that's kind of a good segue (laughs) into the reorganization of the picture book. So could you tell us about that? Sure. Um, So we recently reorganized all of the picture books across the entire district. Formerly picture books were... um, shelved alphabetical by author, which is really fantastic for an adult to be able to find a book. But there are very few, if any, six-year-olds that are ever going to be able to find a book alphabetical by author. And so we changed that and we categorize them by actual categories now. So there are 14 different categories that would be desirable to a child. So, for example, if there's um, a kid that's really excited about dinosaurs, they actually have a dinosaur section that they can go to and browse and self-select. So is this throughout the whole district, or is this just one particular branch? It is. We rolled out one branch at a time. We actually closed the branch for the entire day so that we could uh, re-sticker and uh, reshelve all of the materials into their categories. 
And we completed the last branch, which was downtown Bend, on April 6th. So they are all completed now. That must have been some kind of a project to move all those books. It was 20,000 items that we had to reshelve and resticker. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And is it the same way in the catalog if you go online? It is, yeah. So there's um, two different things that you'll see in the catalog. The first is that before the call number, you'll see the actual category. So you'll know to go to that category. And then within that category, it's Alpha by Author to help with you know, the adults and parents. Um, but then also in the catalog, they are all linked together. So you would be able to do a search, for example, uh, Make Believe, and all of the books that are in the Make Believe category would come up in a search. Ah, uh, so they have all the categories listed then if mm-hmm. you go online? Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. I, what what are some of the categories? You've mentioned dinosaurs and make-believe. Yeah. We have, um, let's see if I can say them all. <laughs> That'll be impressive. Just some um, is a good, um, good we effort. We have um, animals. We have, um, oh, man, we have our world, which is really for neocultural and history. We have pets. Uh, one for play, so that's where kids would um, find books about sports, but also interactive books like I Spy. And uh, there is a catch-all category called stories. So for a book that isn't really about any one of those things, then there is still a catch-all. And there's a favorite, so that, um, for example, Dr. Seuss will all be contained into one, regardless of what Dr. Seuss is writing about in that particular book. And so a child can just come in and kind of hang out in that area. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah. And it's probably decorated a little bit in that theme. Well, they're color-coded. Okay. So, um, and that's great, too. So that the thought is, again, that child that's maybe a very beginner reader probably can't read the word dinosaur yet, but they know to go to dark green. And so they're color-coded also, so that child can say, oh, my section is the silver section. I'm going to go to silver. and Love it. And it's picture books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because all the other things in children's are still coded by the call number. They are, yeah. So nonfiction is still by Dewey, and um, the rest of the collection, the juvenile fiction itself is alpha by author. That sounds fascinating. Well, we are just about at the end of our time today with Emily O'Neill from the Dishes Public Library. We want to thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Did you have a good time? I did. I was a little nervous, but that was fun. You did a great job. Thank, thank you. you for the it information. Well. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.